right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and your daily home for Florida Gators coverage. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Most importantly, go and follow at Locked On Gators and you will never miss an episode. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode of the Locked On Gators podcast. Obviously, we went through a lot with that Kentucky game and we were able to sort of dive deep into how the defense you know, played very well, especially late uh, during that contest, only allowing so many yards. Uh, not going to belabor that point more today, but, you know, just another day of, of, of good Gators defense and football. And so I'm glad that you guys are sticking around, and I hope you continue to stick around to listen to us. And today we'll be talking about the offense, uh, what we heard from Dan Mullen in the second uh, – no, when we, when we talked to him in the press conference. We'll be talking about that in our second – segment today uh speaking of the offense i just wanted to drop this little nugget kelvin joseph he was uh, forced into college football retirement by kyle pitts uh, he uh, rest in peace <laughs> to a guy that came out and as dan mullen said if you're gonna trash talk make sure you can back it up and first play that kyle pitts got targeted on guess who was in coverage when he ran that corner post and scored breakaway 56 yard touchdown it was Kelvin Joseph. It's been reported by a Kentucky reporter that he actually ended up showing up this week just saying he didn't want to play, and they pretty much told him peace. And he declared for the NFL draft, so Kyle Pitts officially retired a guy, kind of. Yeah. I, I was about to say, I think we need to clarify that he did opt out, um, but you already did that, Zach. So it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, you, you talk trash, and then – the next day, you're you're opting out and and you're you're ready for the season to be done. Eh? It is yeah, what it is. That, that'll end up being one of the funnier stories of opt outs at this point. Compare, I mean, like you got all these other ones. You got LSU kids, maybe not opting out, but more so their season was so bad by Halloween that they decided to go and party on Halloween instead of take COVID protocol seriously. There are going to be some funny, funny sports shows that come out of this weird time in sports. Gonna be something. I, I don't know exactly what they're gonna be able to do, but we're definitely gonna see something coming out of this because uh, it's been crazy. I think that if Hollywood can't figure out a way to make something of this, then they failed miserably. Besides the cringy sitcoms about the yeah. masks already. But anyway, let's get back to Gator football. <laughs> We've got uh, some news for you guys tonight as well. Like I said, we're gonna talk about the press conference, but first off, Running back Iverson Clement has hit the transfer portal, so that'll be discussed in our first segment. And then in the third segment, we're going to be hopping over to recruiting. Uh, it's supposed to be a little bit of a busy day tomorrow, following up with some news that came out tonight. Well, I guess I kind of tripped up there. You guys are listening with some news coming today. Uh, so we'll get into recruiting in the third segment. But Demetrius, we'll start off with Clement hitting the portal. Uh, this is certainly not too big of a surprise, We've seen him in flashes come out and do some fun stuff. I mean, last year, the 41-yarder against UT Martin in my second game I was covering the Gators, I was like, huh, why is this guy not getting talked up more? I like Damian Pierce. I like LaMichael P. Ryan, but I, I, I want to see what this guy can do. And then I never heard about him again for the rest of the year. Uh, but he's a guy that came out of high school up in New Jersey, had a lot of schools from up north that were offering him an athlete. He played all over. He threw passes for his high school uh, I think one touchdown and a lot of incompletions. 
but he ran the ball, he caught the ball, he played defense. Uh, he was a safety. In fact, at one point in his UF career, he actually went and practiced safety because they were thin on bodies. I figure that he will probably have a decent amount of interest and finally find a place where he can go and potentially flourish. I mean, for, for me, I didn't really think of this as a negative necessarily for the Gators or Iverson. I think you're right. You know, we've seen at least a couple of flashes. I know this this year we've only seen him really have one big run against Missouri very recently, uh, a 29-yard gain or something around that number. And I don't necessarily think that he was going to fit in. Just look at this defensive – or this, this, this running back uh, backfield just – you have guys, Malik Davis, Damian Pierce, uh, I mean, Naquan Wright. You have guys that are going to get all of the touches, and Iverson was just playing special teams. I mean, if they're going to lose a special teams guy, then that's what they're going to lose. But for the most part, I think that this was a clean uh, a clean transfer or will be a clean transfer for the Gators and for Iverson. And like you said, I think that he'll be able to flourish in another program. Where he will go, I guess that remains to be seen, but... It, it it is a bummer for the program in the fact that they are losing a talent that maybe if injuries happen, they could have used them, but they already have guys like Lingard waiting in the wings. So now he's going to be a guy that will come in if, if an injury happens. And then next year, obviously they have Bauman. So like, it, it's not going to be a situation where they're hurting too much. And I've said this all along all season. I, I might not have said it on the show, but I've definitely told Zach multiple times that Iverson needs to just transfer because he's not going to get on the field. Uh, he finally did. Yeah, exactly. There was just not a path for him. And you, you'd figure Bauman's the the icing on the cake there. When, when he came, yeah. comes in, that's the second five-star running back transfer in a short time period. It's a crowded room. Uh, the running back coach is already telling 2022 recruits that He's planning on trying to get two guys in the class. I mean, whether or not that holds true with Bowman uh, now at Florida, uh, we'll, we'll see soon enough. But at this point, it was very clear, especially for a guy that was in his third year, it just, it just wasn't going to work out. Now, I am curious if there will be teams that say, hey, we want you at running back, or if they will look to his experience playing defensive back. I mean, I don't know. It's He's a guy that definitely seemed willing to go and do whatever it takes to play, and you do want to see a guy like that succeed. Yeah, you definitely do. And whether he can go back on the defensive side of the football or not, he obviously he played it in high school, so he has that sort of experience. But he hasn't done it in three years at Florida, from what I understand. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't necessarily a guy who would flip sides of the field no, or yeah, anything it was, it was, during practice. It was one time I think Swamp Two Four Seven reported it. They were down like three or four safeties throughout the week of practice in 2018, and then he would flip over. He he did flip over. Okay. Well, yeah. well, then, yeah. So, like, he has a little tiny bit of experience. But maybe you're right. If he's a guy who actually wants to legitimately get on the field whenever he can, however he can, then, yeah, that added versatility, I think that that intrigues some teams. I mean, he's he's obviously an athletic guy. We've seen him run and do, do well in these runs. It's not as if he's been just a terrible plotter or anything. He has some speed. He has some quickness. I, I don't necessarily think that he's a bad football player. So, any team that really needs a running back, you know, if, if if you're out there, then maybe this is your guy. You never know. So I'm not sure exactly where he'll go. Maybe he'll stay within the SEC. Maybe he'll go down a level. Maybe he'll go to a different conference altogether to play a little bit faster. Um, but it, it's going to be in, interesting to see. And I am curious how they're going to do 
the transfer rate waivers this year because obviously it's a little different with the COVID and everything and people having an extra year of eligibility this year not really counting. I'm curious and if any player that transfers this year is just going to get immediate eligibility. I mean, if that's the case, and this was definitely a fantastic situation for him to be in because now, now he'll be able to play in 2021 right away instead of having to sit out a season and just belay his however much of his career that he wanted to have. Yeah, I feel like it's just going to be a huge mess in general. I mean, roster construction <laughs> at this point. Once, I mean, signing day, it's on our doorstep. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> How is it going to work? It's going to be chaos, absolute chaos, and we're going to love every second of it. <clears throat> like I said earlier, we're going to be talking a little bit more about recruiting uh, coming up in our third segment. But first, we're going to go over what we heard from Dan Mullen today in his press conference. Uh, he had some good things to say about defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. In fact, he said he thinks he's doing a great job. And then he, and then he went back to talking about the I'm offense in. and um, the issues that he saw from the offense. This is something that we've heard from Mullen throughout the year. Uh, we're not necessarily shocked that this is the way that he's going with it, but there's still a lot of quotes to break down. So we'll do that when we come back. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time, whether it's work friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light, especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light. In the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coreslight.com. That's get.coreslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. So, shout out to uh, Nick Delatore from Gator Country. He just asked Dan Mullen straight up, Christmas lights aside, how would you evaluate Todd Grantham's defense this year? And... Mullen said he thinks that Grantham's doing a great job. And, you know, of course, we send our tweet from SIL Gators uh, with quotes, and the fan base loved, loved, loved seeing that. But at the same time, he made, Dan made good points uh, that you've seen recently the defense has started to put together some good performances. You've seen growth throughout the year. You do remember that at the start of the year, they were shorthanded. And I don't love to look at that as an excuse, but I think teams can get away with that this year. Uh, and, and it added up really to the first four games of the season. Um, and when you look at it through that lens, you can see why they're not as concerned about the defense. Again, I am in agreement that it's going to be a problem against Alabama, but I, I get where they're coming from there. So... It is curious to hear that, Demetrius, and it's also curious to then hear Dan say they didn't meet any offensive goals right after that. 
Yeah, we'll we'll start with the defense. Uh, he was asked straight up, obviously, to evaluate Todd Grantham's defense. And you know what? I can't disagree with anything that he said. I think that this was a perfect evaluation, you know, from my article the other day. Uh, obviously, I, I praise the de- – no, <laughs> let me stop. Uh, but basically, he was saying that they were shorthanded in the beginning of the year, and ba- and he's talking about Kyrie Campbell. That That's the only guy – and I, I guess Brad Stewart, too, if you want to include him, which, I mean, he's playing pretty well. So if, if, if you take out those couple guys, those were the two that really made the biggest difference, specifically Campbell, really, on the defense this year. And then you, you'll see the improvements from games four to now even – I know that it's not as improved as anybody would like. Definitely not. They allow far too many explosive plays. They allow too many teams that they shouldn't allow any points to or any sort of movement much. A Vanderbilt team shouldn't be going down on you. Uh, A Kentucky team shouldn't be throwing against you at all in the first half. Uh, They shouldn't be having 14 play drives that go for 87 yards. Uh, Yeah, it did end in a field goal, but you shouldn't see these kind of uh, drives or or plays from teams that – are clearly worse than you. You know, a, a team that in Vanderbilt just fired their head coach and they they had to play a, a female kicker, which is amazing. But it's just like the 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 difference between that kind of program and the program that Florida is, it, it just shouldn't be the case. So when you're looking at Todd Grantham's defense, obviously you're going to be a little bit more critical. And I do think that Dan, you know, he kind of went out there and defended his guy and said that they were pretty good in the second half. They were making adjustments. He's seen improvement. Um, I do think that he's right in some cases, but I also do think that Dan kind of gets a little bit harder on the defense than he does the offense. Like Zach said, he said the that the around. offense. You know, he, he goes, yeah, yeah, the other way around. Sorry. Yeah, he, he goes a little bit harder on the offense than, than he does the defense. And like Zach said, the offense didn't meet any of his goals but the defense somehow looked good. So and I mean, I get it why he does because he is an offensive mind, but he's also the head coach. It does get weird to hear that. And it was funny because Dan came out and said straight up, like they didn't hit their, any of their offensive goals, any. And he was then asked about 10 minutes later, like, wait, so, so you didn't hit any of your offensive goals. Uh, and he said, we hit one goal. We, we won. That was one of them. So we hit one of them. And he was pressed. He was asked, what were the offensive goals? And he just said, there are weekly goals uh, within our program that we have each week. What we want to do, just we miss them. Like third down conversions is one of the goals. There's a list of them. We hit the win one. It's it's a weird deflection. I mean, talk about what you want to see out of your offense. It's not hard. We see it. But, again, it all goes back to the standards that they've set themselves and also have been taken to the next level from the fan base. Like, Dan is right when he says about Kyle throwing, what, 256, three touchdowns, and it's a bad day. Like, that, that is crazy to think about that that's the perspective. But, and it makes you understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, you know, call a spade a spade. Right. And the thing is, I actually think that the way that Dan Mullen fuses his offense is also the way that. Gators fans and and also you know some of the beat reporters myself Zach you know just all of us we view the defense too because we have such high expectations and high standards for this defense to play well Dan Mullins on the other side he has such high expectations for this offense and we've seen this each and every week when he's asked about the offense 
oh, we just we haven't played a perfect game yet. Brian Johnson's the same way. We haven't played a perfect game. He said that today. I want to know exactly what a perfect game is because unless unless I'm missing something, I think that a perfect game for the Gators' offense is either scoring on every play, scoring on every drive, and no incompletions, or just something of, of that variety because we've definitely seen nearly a perfect game at least this year. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they evaluate it moving forward, how – They'll talk about it at the end of the year when it's all said and done. If this was just a way to make sure that the offense stays in the tip-top shape, the expectations stay high within the program, maybe that's what they're going for, which I would get. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see because I do think that the expectations for the offense are e- extremely uh, unrealistic and the expectations for the defense are a little bit lower than they ought to be. At the end of the day, maybe it's just college coaches doing college coach talk. Cause- yeah. They can do that, but I know you and I are a little more, more used to the NFL and I guess a responsibility factor. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm with you at the same time, and I do go back to the defense. And Demetrius, maybe it was your story that turned me because I first kind of laughed when you brought that story to me, but they do make good points, and we do yeah. have reasons to criticize, especially the explosive plays, but then even this past week. Mm-hmm. Granted, Kentucky is such a miserable passing team, but they had zero explosive passing plays, and that qualifies as anything over 15. It could have been a five-yard slant turning into a 15-yard play. Or screen. Yeah, anything like that. Nothing like that happened. So you are seeing these improvements that they allude to throughout the year. You just got to hope they all come together for the most important game, which could be clinched, as we said yesterday. It could be clinched. This week with a win over Tennessee, you got to hope that those improvements all come by the time they're in Atlanta. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't have (laughs) – we've already talked about this so many times, and I guess we're going to talk about it a little bit here. Just if you don't have the defense firing on all cylinders, you're going to have to – you know, they talk about a perfect offense. You're going to have to play that perfect offense. That's that's the week where you you actually want to see it. Because if this defense isn't firing on all cylinders against Alabama, which has one of the best offenses in the nation, uh, some of the best offensive weapons that we've seen that will go very high in the draft, uh, it's it's going to be a, a, a nightmare. And and you have to have an offense to be able to match that. So the defense needs to step up. They need to be able to come out of the gate strong. I think that's another point that a lot of fans make. A lot, you know, everybody makes that they don't come out of the gate very well. And you know, I asked James Houston today, is it the fan noise and the atmosphere being different this year? Why you guys don't start off fast? Because he was talking about how they kind of were a little bit lackadaisical almost, you know, to get into the game, to get their mind into the game. Every It seems like every single week. And he said, you know, I never thought about that, but maybe it's something. Who knows what it actually is, but they need to figure it out before the Alabama game. That's for sure. Yeah, they cannot afford a slow start against Alabama. That would be a recipe for absolute disaster. Speaking of Alabama, uh, Florida and Alabama are probably going to be fighting a little bit here over the next month beyond on the gridiron. On the recruiting trail, uh, there's some recruiting news coming to you guys today if you're listening to this in the morning on Tuesday. Terion Arnold is dropping his top five schools. We are anticipating Florida being one of those top five. Uh, when we come back from this quick break, we're going to talk about that news and more in the recruiting realm. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what, 
Being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall. Which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink, because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead, filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. All right, Demetrius. We got Terry on Arnold's top five coming today at noon. He plans to commit on early signing day. So does linebacker Xavier Sori. He's got a top three of Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Terrence Lewis. The Tennessee linebacker commit that was once a former Florida commit back in early 2019 has decommitted from Tennessee as well. lot to absorb here. We don't need to go too much into sorry because it's nothing new there. Uh, but Lewis hitting the class, I mean, you know how much they want sorry. If he were to end up to go into one of those other schools, the odds of them maybe going back after Lewis suddenly really spike up, and he is a super highly rated guy as well. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, obviously he's from Miami, so people are speculating that he's going to be going there after decommitting. And and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised. I guess you know I haven't followed his recruitment. I'm not a huge recruiting guy, so I'm not really locked in on that. But you know, if if the Gators do lose out on Sori, you have to figure they want to get a linebacker in here. It's not as if they're you know loaded at the linebacker position in this class. I believe Dewan Black, the transfer from. Juco, who was supposed to be here a couple years ago, but he wasn't eligible yet, so he had to go into Juco, and now he's coming there. He's the only one, really, that's on there that stands out too much as a as a linebacker, a pure linebacker. So if you're going to have a sorry drop out and you have a chance to get him, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, and he's sorry's our number two linebacker at Sports Illustrated All-American, Lewis, the number four. Uh, he's a guy that might take a little longer to play. He's a little bit smaller, but he's a natural, instinctual player. Can come in and make a huge impact. And they seem they they do want that at linebacker. Sori is another guy. He's a guy that could play immediately at his size, I think, and with his skill set. But they, Lord knows, they need some actual linebackers via recruiting. They've they've done a lot of transitioning guys, moving guys around, but they need to find people that just have. The position down they get it and these are two recruits that could certainly do it and another guy that could do that at a respective position is terry arnold we know that he would make a mean free safety he's got length he's got range he could do a lot i mean he's probably gonna also he wants to play basketball as well and he plays both sides of the ball for his high school but this dude adding him to what's an already really nice safety class for florida would be huge and like I said, I, w- I would expect him to have Florida in his top five. I think they are going to be in this one down to the wire. Yeah, I think that if there's one guy who you're willing to wait until February to 
you know, make sure that you get, it's probably a guy like Terry on Arnold. I mean, I understand that this defensive back class for the Gators is already loaded. They have so many different cornerbacks. Obviously, Jason Marshall leads the class. You already have guys like Corey Collier leading the, the safety class. You have a guy like Donovan McMill- McMillan that I feel like people kind of forget about him now. I mean, he was a huge recruit back in, uh, just a few months ago, but I don't really hear too much about him on Twitter or anything like that anymore. Yeah, it's because he's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania guy. But it, it, it's just it, it just goes to show you have a bunch of these defensive backs and these guys that are coming in, and if you can lock Arnold down, I think that this could go down as one of the best uh, defensive backs class, safety class that Florida has had. And, you know, if, if you think about it, they need them. Like most of these guys at safety position, obviously Steiner, uh, all of these guys are pretty much out of eligibility. They're ready to go. I mean, they could come back because of the weird six-year or fifth-year thing that they're doing this year with COVID. But you got to figure that most of them are going to be gone, and now you got a bunch of new guys coming in. Uh, this is a perfect year to do it, and if they can land Arnold, then, you know, all power to them. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing you want to add to this safety room is a ceiling, uh, and a really high one. Because... You know, these safeties that they've got right now, obviously, they, they don't seem to cut it. You get the occasional flashy play from uh, Sean Davis. At the same time, he'll then go and miss a tackle. So it kind of all balances out. Whereas Arnold is just such a high-profile athlete. And Corey Collier has just got such immense length to have on the back end of your defense. The same thing can be said about Donovan McMillan, although he is more of a thumping downhill type of guy. So he fits what... You know, they, they seem to like seeing out of their safeties, but he also is just more of a maxed-out version of it physically. I like Rashad Torrance. I like Mordecai McDaniel. In fact, I will go ahead and say I like Rashad Torrance a lot more than a lot of people seem to coming in. I said all along I thought he'd play his freshman year and he'd play a lot. But the, the biggest knock on him coming out was that he wasn't as the biggest athlete. He just had a really great understanding of the game, uh, of the position, of coverages, and that's what was going to let him play. So now that you're mixing in, like, yeah, a Torrance will continue to develop, and personally, I think he can end up starting with all these guys coming in. You are adding so much more potential to the room. It feels like there's just not actually been potential as... I mean, last year, it was just rotating those top four, and you realize that the room could have been really screwed. They really needed to nail down recruiting in that secondary, and... Ron English, he may not be doing a perfect job with his unit this year. Torian Gray may be able to say the same because the UF secondary has just not been that great. But they've certainly made it for it on the trail in the 2021 recruiting class, and we'll see where that takes them. And, yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to say, like, I think that they've done the job that they needed to do with the players that they have. I mean, if you're going to have a guy like Donovan Steiner continue to go out there and, and I'm not to you know trash the kid or anything like that, it's just, you know, there's clear weaknesses within the secondary and then there's clear upgrades when we see guys like Torrance come in and play and we see the plays that they're able to make. When you're going to be able to have to continue to play those guys because of their veteran experience, which I understand, you have to be able to have guys that are smarter, have to be able to have guys that are going to be able to make the plays when they're needed. Uh, especially in big-time games, you can't necessarily trust a freshman. So with the guys that they have going out there, I think that they've done a pretty solid job. Um, it is going to be interesting to see, though, the, the the development on these recruits that are coming in that are high-level recruits, they're going to be great, but they're only going to be as great as you know how much they're coached because once you get to college, 
the stars go away. Who cares about your stars? Because now you're here, you're playing. So I guess we're going to find out. But I think that those two guys, uh, if this class does work out, they can go down as, you know, two of the best coaches on the defensive staff. The time you are listening to this, the date is December 1st, which means the early signing period is very close. It begins December 16th, so we're talking about a lot of recruiting now. It's only going to get a little more dramatic and busier over the next couple of weeks. You won't want to miss it, so make sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review for Locked On Gators on iTunes as well as anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Good or bad, what we can improve on. If you think that we're get, if you if you like our analysis, make sure to let us know as well because we want to obviously continue bringing you guys exactly what you want. Of course, also make sure to go and follow us on Twitter. Myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius eighty two, and most importantly, so you never miss an episode at Locked On Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.